BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Nine days from the inauguration and the strongest argument yet for why this inauguration maybe should not even take place. A bombshell report that came out yesterday that was given to President Obama a couple of days ago by the CIA, the FBI, uh, all the intelligence agencies, was given to President-elect Donald Trump last Friday and was given to the, they're called the Gang of Eight, the top Democrats and Republicans on the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. Now, we got to make clear as we talk about this, uh, just understand, this is on top of the report. This is, a, this is like an addendum to the report, okay? On top of the report where all 17 intelligence agencies say definitively that the Russian government, under the absolute direct, interve- or direct orders of President Vladimir Putin, interfered in the 2016 presidential election to help Donald Trump win the presidency. That was what they did it, and that's why they did it, and they succeeded. That in itself is enough to say, do we really trust the legitimacy of this election? Should we really go forward with this inauguration? Now, on top of that is this addendum, this two-page report that the intelligence agencies thought was so convincing uh, and so real. They, they, they admitted they don't have absolute 100% certainty of all of this, but they thought it was so real that they felt obliged. They had to tell the president, the president-elect, and, and the, America, the uh, top con- intelligence officers in Congress uh, about this report. It's been rumored for a long time, but if you really were wondering... Why Donald Trump said so many nice things about Vladimir Putin. Uh, If you were really wondering why he dismisses any talk about Russia interfering in an American election and committing that kind of high espionage, if you really wonder why Donald Trump named Vladimir Putin's buddy uh, to be the next Secretary of State, well, maybe now we know. (laughs) Now we know because what this report says Two things. First of all, it says, and by the way, this report was prepared by a former British MI6 top spy who was working in the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe for years and years and years. And this person was hired, first of all, this is interesting, hired by the Republican, never Trump people. During the Republican primary, the Republicans who and a lot of them, establishment Republicans, who didn't want to see Donald Trump get anywhere close to the White House or, or win the nomination, 
hired this guy to, to do some oppo research, opposition research on Donald Trump. When he won the nomination, then the Clinton campaign picked up the payroll for this uh, British spy. He put together his report, and again, that's who the author of it is, but the uh, anonymous, he or she, the intelligence agencies think this report is so credible that they presented it to the president and the president-elect. It was leaked out last night. Uh, first of all, CNN reported on it, I believe, first, uh, a very good report, but with BuzzFeed uh, then put out, published the two-page report so that everybody can read it. And what it says, again, two main findings. Number one is that I say the Russians have been uh, cultivating and assisting Donald Trump for at least five years for business deals, offering him very lucrative uh, real estate deals, um, which, by the way, so far, they, they say Donald Trump has not taken advantage of any one of those offers, any one of those real estate deals. But they were offer also uh, pumping him full of information, intelligence on Democrats, on the Democratic Party, and particularly on Hillary Clinton. At the same time, the second big finding is, they, uh, according to this uh, intelligence officer, that the Russians also have compromising information about Donald Trump uh, that in, uh, enough to, they say, to blackmail him. Information uh, that concerns, A, contacts between members of his campaign and the Russian government during the campaign especially an attorney, Michael Cohen, and originally uh, his, his campaign manager, Michael Paul Manafort, who was forced to resign, remember? So they've got that kind of information and what a lot of people are talking about, maybe what's got everybody, you know, kind of going crazy is that they have uh, confirm inf information about what they call perverted graphic claims of perverted sexual acts involving prostitutes and acts that we don't need to talk about on this program uh, at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in the bedroom that President Ob where President Obama and uh, First Lady Michelle Obama stayed where they were in Moscow and apparently Donald Trump. Uh, and there were cameras in the room and they've got all this information on both fronts and enough to blackmail him. And by the way, it also, there's a third finding. They also compiled a, dos a, a do dossier on Hillary Clinton which is probably the most boring <laughs> spy file ever conducted because all it, in, all it includes are uh, copies of uh, transcripts from conversations that she had on the phone while she was there about State Department business. So there's nothing in those things. But the stuff on Donald Trump could be explosive. So this, this rumors about this have been circulating for weeks. Uh, David Korn and Mother Jones wrote about it last summer. Harry Reid wrote a letter last summer to FBI Director um, Comey uh, asking him whether or not and there was anything to these rumors that they were investigating uh, allegations of uh, misbehavior, if you will, by Donald Trump or or contacts, Ill illegitimate contacts with the Russians. That was last summer. Uh, yesterday at the hearing uh, on Capitol Hill, uh, two senators got into it with um, Director Comey uh, here. First of all, Senator Ron Wyden from Ohio, from uh, Oregon. Has the FBI investigated these reported relationships? And if so, what are the agency's findings? 
Thank you, Senator. I would never comment on investigations, whether we have one or not, in an open forum like this. So I really can't answer it one way or another. Mm, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Well, Senator Angus King from Maine, he's not going to let that slide. No, he jumps. Mr. Comey, did you answer Senator Wyden's question that there is an investigation underway as to connections between either of the political campaigns and the Russian uh, Russians? I didn't say one way or another. You didn't say that there that was my one... intention, at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I won't say one way or oh, another. Oh, okay. I won't say that we have an investigation or that we don't have an investigation. If And by the way, if there is an investigation underway, I would never, never, ever, ever, ever comment on it. Good for Angus King for this follow-up. I don't, especially in a public forum, we never confirm or deny a pending investigation. The irony I'm, not, of, I'm not saying. The irony of your making that statement here, I cannot uh, avoid. Uh, yeah, what Comey meant to say was we never comment on ongoing investigations or uh, or acknowledge that there is one unless it concerns Hillary Clinton and there's only two weeks to go before the presidential election. God, what what, what an outrage. But at any rate, uh, this Trump, I don't know, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens with this Trump report. But if true, it is, I mean, first of all, it just proves that Vladimir Putin got the best president that Russian money could buy, and that we got stuck with a, I'm about to get stuck with a Russian agent uh, in the White House. And I think, and love to get your comments again on Twitter, at BP Show, I think it raises the question. I know the, the stands are in place. I know the bands are on their way. I know the hotel rooms are booked. I know the speech is probably already written. But why are we going ahead with this inauguration in the first place? It's a good question. Why, with this cloud hanging over, do we really, really want to uh, inaugurate this Russian agent as president of the United States? Headline in the New York Times a week or so ago caught my attention is Trump. The friend that Israel needs. Uh, what can we expect in relations between the United States and Israel? In what direction will they go under President uh, Donald Trump uh, nine days from now? Michael Wilner is the Washington bureau chief for the Jerusalem Post, who joins us in studio this morning. Michael, good to see you. Good to see you, Bill. Uh, David Friedman, Donald Trump's uh, nomination nominee to be the ambassador to uh, Israel. Tell us about him and what he stands for and what we can expect. So David, uh, who, who I got to know a bit during the campaign, um, is a he's a leading um, uh, bankruptcy lawyer. Uh, he's known uh, uh, Trump for many, many years. I believe it's um, about 20 years. Quote me on that. But uh, he got to know him on a personal level because uh, Trump really, um, you know, he, he, he would show up at a... Uh, at Friedman's house, uh, for example, when uh, Friedman's father died, and he was uh, hosting Shiva, you know, Trump, yep. mm -hmm. Trump, Trump would be there. Um, they had a they had a very close relationship, um, and um, he became one of two uh, advisors on on Israel during, during the campaign. The campaign. Uh, he also, um, you know. Uh, 
he became something of a surrogate to the Jewish community as well uh, during the campaign. And uh, he's he's a practicing uh, Orthodox Jew. Uh, he doesn't have experience in foreign policy yet, um, but he certainly has very strong views on on where Israel well, should be going in the relationship. Right, and strong views which really contradict what U.S. policy has been toward Israel under Democratic and Republican presidents, correct? Yeah. I, I, on the I, I, issue, let's talk about a couple of specific right. issues. I mean, on I, the settlements, for example. Yeah, I mean, He's, well, he, he, he not only supports settlement activity, he has um, fundraised for uh, the settler enterprise. Um, look, the, you know, there's there are those arguing on both sides um, that, yes, things are changing in terms of Israel policy, but Israel is in a very different place than it was even uh, 15 years ago, certainly in a different place than when settlements first began in the late 1970s. Now, on uh, the left and in Barack Obama's camp, the argument is, yeah, the reality is changing such and that it justifies some of our recent actions at the Security Council, uh, Secretary Kerry's statement of late, which which outlined that a two-state solution is becoming um, <clears throat> impossible because of the the changes on the ground. And on the other side, uh, you're you're hearing folks saying, "Well, um, there is no partner for peace. The Palestinian Authority uh, is a f- truly a fragile thing and likely." to collapse Hillary Clinton at the at the Brookings Institution in just about a year ago now uh, said that a collapse would lead to the black flag of Isis over Ramallah and who would we talk to then uh, so so there's th- that on the on the right and in uh, David Friedman's camp is simply justification for uh, a a re-exploration, if you will, of of Israel policy. But doesn't it, in effect, uh, at, well, let's take about one other issue, which is uh, Friedman is totally for, again, under Republicans and Democrats. I'm not an expert in the Middle East, but no, I know No, you're absolutely this right that that has that, been bipartisan that's, policy. That's been bipartisan absolutely. policy. I mean, yeah. George Bush was against the no settlements. No yeah. Uh, so it was Condi Rice, the whole, so this is not just a Democratic party. Right. But the, the other issue is on where the embassy is. Um, right. I mean, geography, geography. In, in a sense, in Middle East, geography is everything. So, right. But moving it from Tel Aviv to Israel, to Jerusalem has, again, America, American policy is stays in. So, so there's one thing I would and, say and to that. Friedman, right, wants to move it, and Trump move it right away to Correct. Israel. So what's going to happen? I mean, what, what if, if they do that, right? Right. What, what can happens? we expect to happen? So there, so there are two. I would bifurcate this because there is a, there has been bipartisan uh, executive policy on where the uh, embassy should be, and it has been in Tel Aviv across Democratic and Republican administrations. Conversely, there's been bipartisan congressional policy since at least 1995, when there was a vote, an overwhelming vote. Uh, for the embassy to be moved. And all of those Republican and Democratic presidents have campaigned to move it. They have subsequently changed their positions while in office. It doesn't seem as if Trump will change his position while in office. Um, What's going to happen? It, of course, depends who you ask. But if you really ask uh, anyone in the region, including friends of ours that are, are... very important 
the Jordanians, the Egyptians, parties, the Palestinian Authority, and all moderate factions of the PA, um, all friends of ours that we want to maintain friendships with, not only that, that want to work with Israel mm-hmm. and want a productive relationship with Israel, they are uh, sounding the alarm bells and saying, not only would this cause a violent uprising in the West Bank, possibly in Jerusalem, but beyond and throughout the region, this would be the sort of spark. Um, right. And Secretary Kerry is, of course, warning of an explosion of violence. Now, there are others who say there is a way to do this, a careful and thought out way to do this that might mitigate th- that violence. And the way is quite simple, which is while Jerusalem as a city obviously is a is one of the major issues in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, how that would be divided or who would have sovereignty, uh, there's no no debate over the status of West Jerusalem. And there are certain areas of the city which under any circumstance under a two-state solution would be Israeli. And if the incoming administration were to make clear in a responsible and careful mm-hmm. way that what they're doing is they're moving it to a part of the city which under any circumstances the international community would recognize as Israel's capital. That's not what they're doing. What they're, what they're saying is uh, this is Israel's undivided and eternal capital, which is Israel's line as well. And right. that is what the Palestinians have issue with. Okay. So uh, the, the, the idea to me that the Trump administration could finesse something as delicately as that and as carefully as that, as diplomatically as that, I find to be almost a contradiction uh, in terms. Isn't the reality here that this is a test for whether we're going to continue to pursue what is certainly an elusive goal in the two-state solution or just junk it and just um, just say Israel uber allies, basically? Right. I mean, that's the argument uh, that certainly... Uh, the president and uh, Secretary Kerry have made, which is not only is this uh, endangered, uh, but given the stance of the incoming administration and their uh, perceived lack of um, regard for uh, a two-state solution in any meaningful way, as in it's no longer in the GOP platform and uh, what appears to be support for settlement activity. Um, we needed to act in a way that gets the international community on record. Um, what the Israeli government argues is actually quite simple, that settlement activity is not a, obst- a fundamental obstacle to a two-state solution. That in Secretary's, uh, Secretary Kerry's speech, he did not mention once the fact that uh, there were many settlements in Gaza that ultimately were uh, vacated. You had Jewish graves that were Mm -hmm. uh, exhumed, and and that did not lead to peace. What the Israelis are asking for that they feel as if they didn't get from the Obama administration, and they're hoping they get from a Trump administration, is a recognition of what those fundamentals are. And they believe that it's a a uh, lack of uh, Palestinian recognition of a Jewish, not a state of Israel, but a Jewish state of Israel in any boundary.
Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Baz Shakir is the political director for the ACLU. Man, you got a lot of ammunition here. Yes, and, and, and on Russia, my former boss, Senator Harry Reid, I, sh- I should note, was yes. instrumental in, in making sure some of these allegations were aired at a time when it would have been more useful to the American public. He didn't have much support at that time. I think uh, he's been vindicated to some degree in the past 48 hours. I think what he wanted to do at that time was to at least force uh, the intelligence agencies, agencies, compel them to put forward the information that they knew was out there in order to get some more people coming forward and saying what they knew, because one of the hard things the intelligence agency was telling uh, us was that they didn't they, they didn't know what to verify, what was verified, what was not verified. And one of the ways you could do that is say, here's information we've learned, put it out to the public, and then see what comes forward from that. People will either knock it down or, or verify it. Well, certainly the contrast between the way they handled, speaking of the FBI now, mm-hmm. uh, they handled this the, information that was leaked to them uh, and handled the information about perhaps there's something. There in, might be emails on uh, Anthony Weiner's laptop exactly, that we need to yeah. look at. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, of course, James Comey <laughs> right. never talks about an investigation that's underway until right, it's completed, right? right? I, mean, it's just, I mean, there's so many levels of that that were just so— uh, But you're right. It, it was last summer that Leader Reid yes. uh, asked the intelligence agencies to, to be upfront about this, right? What that's right. That's right. And and I, I think he was a lone crusader at that time and wished that there had been more voices trying to push for this information to be released. Uh, and now I think we are all learning why it would have been so useful before the election. Right. Now, the fact that the intelligence agencies, um, for, for those of you uh, just joining us, maybe you back up a little bit. This is a, a two-page, what was leaked last night and what was published on BuzzFeed is a two-page summary of a report that was uh, given to the president of the United States last week and the president-elect and the eight gang of eight, they call them, chief intelligence officers uh, uh, or um, heads of the committees, Democrat and Republican, uh, in the United States Congress. And again, uh, fast. This report was on top of the report that the Russians, under direction of Vladimir Putin, had tried to influence our election. In fact, did right. in order to help Donald Trump get elected, and they succeeded. Right. So, and so what, what that's we, bad enough. Right. And what should we do with it, and what should we do now? I think the end of calls for an independent investigation similar to a 9-11 commission hearing are exactly the right way to go. If this is as important and uh, an issue, as you can imagine, of influencing of elections, foreign powers uh, involve yeah. hacking, cybersecurity. There's so many uh, uh, reasons to be concerned about this, not just for the past, but also going forward in the future, that this might be replicated or further damage could be done. The only way to resolve this and to get all the facts and, and to have a full airing for the public is to do an independent commission. Total. It, it, Total. It, like, there are a lot of people yeah. who say this was done in a sloppy <laughs> way, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think there are some aspects to it that are a little questionable. But but the Obama 
birther movement, the Obama birth certificate talk, mm-hmm. which we have, which we talked about for years, was all sort of spun into action because Donald Trump said one credible source called me and told me about this. That's it. Yeah. That is that is it. I mean, that's where it started. He said one person called him and told us. We don't know who the person is. We don't know the background. We don't know anything. We don't know what we're talking about. That's where it started. Right. And yet, we spent years right. litigating whether or not our president of the United States was actually born in this country. So if that's the standard, yeah, this exceeds that by a mile. So we have that hacking report, which certainly should be the subject of an independent investigation. Now, on top of that, I keep stressing, this is on top of that is the intelligence agencies considered what a British former intelligence officer has come up with as sufficiently serious that they briefed the president and the president-elect about these, the, his report, or her report, we don't even know, uh, which, uh, which concludes that, A, the, the Russian government has been assisting, aiding Donald Trump, feeding him information, all kinds of stuff, for at least five years. And B, that uh, offering him real estate deals and giving him intelligence on his Democratic opponents, particularly Hillary Clinton. And B, that they have enough compromising information on ongoing contacts between his campaign and the Russian government and alleged graphic or sexual, what do they call them, perverted, whatever, salacious sexual activity. Yes. Last time, I promise. (laughs) Including a little water play, shall we say. Enough, enough. Has uh, Peter uh, already explained to the listeners what, what a gold tower is? The guy missed that already. <laughs> you missed morning? that part. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll keep, uh, we'll we'll get into keep that. trying oh, to dance around really that golden shower. Um, <laughs> but enough information to blackmail to blackmail Donald Trump on right? Now, what should we do about that, Faz? Independent commission. Investigate it all. I think, like, hopefully, uh, and the reason is, I mean, we just briefly touched on this. FBI, I don't believe, can be trusted to conduct this investigation. It says it's been claiming it's been going on forever and hasn't produced any information, yet they jump on uh, Anthony Weiner's laptop and reveal that information. Yeah. And so I think uh, it's just just even for the sake of putting out facts that both sides could agree to, it has to be independent. It can't come through um, um, the FBI, given what we all experience from them. No, I know we're... We're, we're we're sort of prisoners of a constitutional deadline here, but isn't it kind of shaky to go ahead with uh, an inauguration <laughs> <laughs> uh, of a man that has been that our intelligence agencies could be the subject of blackmail by the Kremlin? Right, right, and I. Uh, <laughs> Right. I, I wish that all this information had come before an electoral college certification or before. I mean, you remember one of the issues that uh, Christine Pelosi was trying to raise is that all the electoral co- electors should have uh, had an opportunity to get an to intelligence briefing. To be on what the intelligence agencies That's right. had. And unfortunately, that did not happen. But it would have been, again, these are all useful things that were called for and didn't occur. So we, we at least stood on the right side of, of the debate. But now there are very few accountability measures. Uh, the president's going to be inaugurated, and shortly thereafter, he'll be, as as Peter reported, his approval ratings are in the 30s, mid to high 30s, and they're the more that his act is wearing thin, and the more that this these kinds of unscrupulous activities come to light, I imagine it's just going to go down from there. So, if this information had come out when uh, Senator Reid wanted it to come out, let's say, if it had come out any any time before. November 8th. Let's remember the Access Hollywood tape 
right, as bad as that was. Do you think this uh, information would have made any difference? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You I mean, do. we're t- the, the margins in, uh, in uh, Michigan, in uh, Pennsylvania, were so thin that uh, it, we're literally talking about smaller than a football field on any Saturday or Sunday in those states. And, like, uh, yeah, the was margin total, was total so— Total three states, 77,000, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, right. Less is, than a hundred thousand. I mean, yeah. let's end a football stadium at Penn State on a on a Saturday afternoon, right? And so, like, uh, I think these kinds of information. Remember, one of the issues that we dealt with here was that five million Obama voters, largely around five million Obama voters, stayed home, didn't feel uh, compelled to get out and vote, unfortunately. And uh, I think this would have been the kind of information that would have compelled some of them to get out and vote. Or, or maybe some of those people said, to "Well, change the uh, you know, we need some change, and Donald Trump represents change." Yeah, but mm, this is like a bridge too far. Yeah. Yeah. That I think is going to be the lasting legacy of this election. Yeah. Is not necessarily uh, how bad of a candidate Hillary Clinton was, even though I think she made plenty of mistakes, or how racist we've become as a country, or sexist we've become as a country. It's I think what it comes down to is what we let him get away with. Yeah. And when we look back, we just go, what What were we thinking? Hmm. Because, I mean, I get the anger and I get I want someone new and I want to change and I want somebody different and I want somebody to shake up politics. And that's cool. I, I, I do understand that. And I, and I get that. But at the same time, the amount of stuff that we let him get away with in the name of that is what I think is what we're going to remember for a long, long time. Fast Shakir with us, National Political Director, his new job of the ACLU. Uh, I always talk, tell you about the ACLU. If you believe in the United States Constitution, you should belong to the ACLU. I've been a lifelong member and proud of it. Uh, I, Unlike Michael Dukakis, I'm proud to carry my ACLU card. <laughs> I want you to know. Well, there is so much news to cover. Um, with the, the latest bombshell uh, intelligence report on uh, Donald Trump and alleged uh, impro- improper activities, let's just put it that way, um, in Moscow. Uh, also, of course, President Obama's farewell speech last night and during the day, a marathon first day of hearings for Jeff Sessions, President-elect Trump's nominee to be Attorney General of the United States. Elizabeth Wydra covers all of these issues for, well, particularly the Supreme Court. Uh, and not and so much the Donald Trump impropriety. No, right, <laughs> you yeah. know, Let's, it's not I really wanna, my... I, I, yeah. Okay, I wanted to <laughs> distance, we'll talk about that. distance you, you from you. that. Yeah, I think but I'm already blushing. You know, Justice <laughs> Department <laughs> and in terms of Supreme Court, she's here from the Constitutional <laughs> Accountability Center. Hello, Elizabeth. Nice to see you. Great to be with you guys. Happy New Year. You too. So, uh, you're take on the first day of hearings yesterday? Well, it was really interesting. You know, we went into the hearings with this very long record from Jeff Sessions of being basically everything that you don't want an attorney general. You know, you look at the jobs, the offices of the Department of Justice, and they are all about fair and impartial justice for all. And Jeff Sessions has made a career out of opposing civil rights making it harder for people, particularly people of color, to vote, um, opposing women's rights, opposing um, criminal justice reform, um, wanting to take extreme positions on immigration, including ending birthright citizenship, something that is enshrined in our Constitution. Um, And also, I think, just from a broader perspective, something that is incredibly important right now, he did not have a record of standing up 
to corrupt decisions when he was in the position of being attorney general before, when he was attorney general for the state of Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. Um, uh, I published a piece in Slate that went through those two years. And, you know, when you have an attorney general in a time like this with a president-elect like Donald Trump, you want to make sure that this person is not just going to be a rubber stamp but is really going to look at the law, is going to look at the Constitution, and stand up for those things. You know, the attorney general is supposed to be the lawyer for the country. It's not supposed to be, you know, there's there's a, you know, there's someone who is White House counsel who is kind of, you know, yeah, much right, more the president's right. person. This, the attorney general is supposed to stand up for the law and the Constitution and the country. And so we need someone who will be an attorney general like that. So we came into the hearings with basically the burden of proof on Jeff Sessions to say, hey, I know I have decades of this record, including the last time he was considered before the Senate um, for a position in 1986 mm -hmm. for a federal judgeship. And uh, he was rejected because of allegations that were deemed credible by the committee of racism. So he had a real burden to show that he was fit to be attorney general. And I think that he did not meet that burden yesterday. You know, he said some of the right things in some instances. But underneath, there was still the same old Jeff Sessions that we see from his record, um, particularly, I think, on voting rights. It was very disturbing. Um, Do you think that the, that the Democrats laid out a, um, a, a, a path to not confirm Jeff Sessions yesterday? When you talk about his past, you talk about his record, you talk about his history. Um, did they do a good enough job of, of exposing him for who he is? You know, I, I thought that there were moments where the questioning was really tough. I thought Senator Franken did an amazing job. Yeah, he, he really went there. You know, of pointing out, um, you know, look, you can say kind of broadly, for example, that he does not oppose profiling Muslim Americans um, or Muslims from other countries based on their religion. But, you know, given the rhetoric that you have stated before, and he talked very movingly about you know, speaking to children in his state of Minnesota um, who feel um, excluded and denigrated by Jeff Sessions' statements about um, Muslim American families and uh, children in particular. Um, I thought he did a great job on that of exposing kind of like, well, if even if you say the right thing in this hearing, let's look underneath and have you really changed there? And also, I think it's unclear what he means, you know, when he sort of said kind of what we wanted to hear on the Muslim registry or so on. Um, you know, do you really mean that? Because there are ways of getting around that. You know, he can try to take this nice position, but then if you're looking at the countries, are you still profiling in a way? He also, time and time again, particularly as you mentioned when it comes to Roe v. Wade, and we think we have that clip, Jimmy, that time and time again, he, uh, uh, he acknowledged that he was against certain things. He's mm -hmm. against Roe v. Wade, he's against hate crimes legislation, um, you know, he's against the Voting Rights Act, but basically all of these things. But now they're the law of the land. He will obey them. Mm -hmm. Here's what he said about Roe v. Wade. Well, I haven't uh, said that uh, the woman's right to choose or the Roe versus Wade and its progeny is not the law of the land or not uh, clear today. Um, so I would follow that law. I mean... Again. That is a ringing endorsement yeah, of right. you know the freedom right of women to be equal citizens and decide whether or not to have an abortion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's it and what he's did, got a lifetime exactly. of, of opposition. So why do we think that he's going to suddenly 
be a different person because he's attorney general. Right. And there are things leading, you know, that that go into the right to have an abortion that he has opposed, you know, including access for low income women. And as part of uh, the Department of Justice defending access to clinics, is he, you know, even if he, you know, gives lip service to Roe versus Wade, is he going mm-hmm. to be the advocate we need for ensuring access to abortion clinics. Um, I think one thing, you know, that is deeply troubling, even still, even with some of these nice things he said yesterday, is his stance on voting rights. And that has been something that the Obama Department of Justice has really, I think, tried to make great strides in, even with the forces against it that we've seen from state legislators, um, from indeed the Supreme Court when they gutted mm-hmm. uh, key parts Act. of the Voting Rights Act in the Shelby County decision. The Obama administration really was trying to uh, strengthen voting rights. And Jeff Sessions has been um, throughout his career an opponent of voting rights and even in the hearing yesterday continued to take his position that the Voting Rights Act is an intrusive piece of legislation. And in he also endorsed more kind of voter suppression tactics through his idea that there is somehow this in-person voter fraud, which that is not a problem. We have looked at this over and over. You know, right. independent journalists have looked at it, have not found these instances of in-person voter fraud that these folks supposedly want to go after. Really what they want to go after is the votes of particularly people of color in places like the South. And we've seen that in North Carolina in particular, um, but all across uh, the country. And it, it isn't just the South. This is a problem. And we need to be we need to have an attorney general who is going to fight for the right of Americans to cast their vote, not do everything they can to put an obstacle in the way. We, we, we come, we've come a very, very, very long way on the voting rights stuff. And then when you look at what Donald Trump said after the election of how many people voted illegally, right? There are still there are a lot of people who took that as just fact and have already moved on. Well, Alex so. Jones said it. It has to be a fact. <laughs> The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Well, the news from Russia keeps pouring in. Not only do all 17 intelligence agencies agree that the Russian government, under direct orders from Vladimir Putin himself, interfered in our election in order to help Donald Trump win, as if that's not bad enough, now intelligence agencies are out with a second report that Russia's been helping Donald Trump for at least five years, plying him with lucrative business deals, and, get this, that Russia has enough sex tapes on Donald Trump to blackmail him, which does raise the important question, why, with all this information, are we still going ahead with this inauguration on January 20? That's my parting shot for today. I'm Bill Press. This is the Bill Press Show.